Hello, everyone. You know what's going on when you hear this tune playing. It's another episode of the What's Going On podcast. And it's me, Jacob, talking. And I'm here with my best friend, Chua. How you doing, bro? I'm good, Brody. All I got to say is thank God it's Monday. Previously, before we started recording this podcast, you were like, oh, Monday, such a fucking day. Just, you know, you just want to continue with the weekend. But now I just like crave Mondays, you know? When, when it's like Saturday, I think like, oh, okay, on Monday, we're going to... Uh, record another episode of the podcast. I look forward to that. Do you feel the same? I just feel blessed to be back in the studio recording with my boy. Yeah, bro. Exactly. The same here. Signal for Beacon. You get like a lot of energy when you go here. You go into some kind of like mode where like, now we're going to record this podcast. It's going to be amazing. Can't talk about football. Uh, shout the, out. The studio is unreal. Yeah, the studio is unreal. And I would also like to shout out to all our listeners. Uh, it's actually not only in Sweden. We get quite a few listeners uh, globally, actually, um, both in the United States and the rest of the Nordics. We got France, Germany, Switzerland. We actually got one listener from Cyprus. Shout out to you if you're listening. Uh, we love you. <laughs> and also we got some in Kenya and also in Dubai, right? Dubai, UK as well. Yeah, UK. I forgot about UK. Yeah. Shout out to all y'all listening to our podcast we love you we sure do and something else that we love and that we've learned to love uh, even though the world cup is going on in qatar uh, is the world cup 2022 and uh, that's been going on and it was the quarterfinals this previous weekend starting off with friday two games and then there was two games also on on uh, saturday and i've been like you know you, you've been like uh, used to having matches like on every day but now it's like two games one day and then it's two games a day after and then you're supposed to like have a couple of days break so for example today there's no games and that feels like so strange and yesterday as well and it's yeah exactly sad. It's, yeah it's been tough to get used to yeah you you go into you go into your force app and the only thing you see is like random uh like uh friendly games and i've i've lost interest for tv shows during this world cup i've yeah. watched any shows at all no, no me, me all neither. i've been able to watch is is a football yeah exactly like wait Same. What, what do i watch now yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like actually me and my girlfriend we were like what are we actually watching now and it's exactly like you said we were like okay we got this one documentary with like four episodes yeah, we were basically right. done with it so it was like okay what are we gonna watch and i was like why haven't we watched anything and she was like yeah you've been watching world cup every day you <laughs> fuck <laughs> so i'm like oh right that's true that's true but no wonder you're watching the World Cup when you see the quarterfinals. Man, what a weekend it's been. Yeah, it's honestly, been crazy. It's honestly, been don't crazy. think I've seen a round of football, you know, where every game was a 10 out of 10. No. You know, like drama, quality, emotion. Yeah. Everything you could ask for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as you say, actually, I think it was like maybe one of the best like quarterfinal rounds ever. Don't, don't you agree? No doubt about it. I, I might even have to say, you know, from a, from a football perspective, at least yeah. in terms of my memory, this World yeah. Cup has been the best one. You know, if you look away from all the controversy regarding Qatar and so yeah. on, but just yeah. the football itself. The things that have been going on on the pitch. Yeah. It's been know, like the best World like Cup. Think, yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know, I've loved it. Maybe it's because it's mid-season, you know, players are still in shape and so on. Yeah. And you know, I think it's been great. Yeah, actually, actually. I, I always think that you you often think of like the the championship that's been like closest in in mind. Yeah, yeah recently the one bias. that you yeah the, exactly you often like mention that one. But actually, when you say it now, I, I can't think of any like World Cup previously that's been like better. I think the 2014 one was good, but not in the same in the same like level as this one. Actually, it's been like so many also like so many like unpredictable games. A few like really like a few stars that actually that you didn't know about that mm. you get to learn during this World Cup too. We're gonna talk about that later. Um, but I think this World Cup had had it all basically, yeah. uh, like oh, what what has been going on on the pitch. But I feel like when the quarterfinals was this good, 
I feel like how can how will the sem- semi-finals and the final actually be better? That's the thing. And yeah. often, you know, when it gets to that stage of the competition, yeah. everyone's scared to make mistakes and so on. Yeah. So you do end up seeing, you know, slightly less risks being taken. Exactly. And overall, you know, less entertaining games. But yeah, let's, exactly. let's hope we're wrong. I think the game will be more like boring in one way, uh, but also like more tactical in one way. So, but it's going to be interesting to see. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about the quarterfinals. If we start off with the first game on Friday, it was Croatia um, versus Brazil. And uh, Croatia, who's been like before the World Cup, there was like basically like no one talking about Croatia, right? Yeah. I think even we, I think we said like previously in the podcast that we was like, I think you know all of the players they're a bit older, they don't have a number nine, um, they don't have like the midfielders. Are they as good as they were a few years ago? Yeah, they're fit. Yeah, as they, don't, they don't have a, a good goalie. But during this World Cup, uh, we understand that he's uh, the Livakovic guy. He's a, he's a really good goalkeeper. Hey, he's yeah, he's one of the guys who's really enhanced his reputation during yeah. this tournament. I mean, he made 11 saves against Brazil, which yeah. is you know it's a pretty big amount. Yeah, of course, many of these were high percentage saves. Yeah, but he just he just looked really solid and really good with his feet. You know, goes down at the right time and so on. So he's someone I've been impressed with. Yeah, and also like his age, he turns uh, 28 in like a few weeks. Mm. So he's born on the, the same the same year as we did, 95. Mm. So he's not a, he's not like he can still move to a bigger club. And I actually remember now when I think about it, I watched uh, the game that Chelsea lost actually uh, away from home mm. against Dinamo Zagreb. And I remember that the goalkeeper was really good and that must have been Livakovic. I assume. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, because he's the first choice there. But uh, as we said, uh, Croatia they were facing I would say the biggest uh, the biggest favorite. To yeah, win the tournament, yeah. maybe like N- no doubt they were, you know, they ranked number one in the world and they were the favorites for the competition. Yeah, exactly. So, Brazil. so this, so, so like our predictions, I think, and mostly everyone's prediction was that this would be a pretty easy win mm. for Brazil. Yeah, you'd have to say so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you look at the odds, they were highly in favor of yeah. Brazil winning that game. But yeah, I mean, they didn't. Nah, and uh, it was like I think you can see if you go into like how the how the game looked. I think on the in like first half and also during the second half, I think that you you saw a Brazil that were they were more scared to lose uh, than um, uh, eager to win, in my opinion. I think they, they, they didn't look that confident. They didn't look like um, they were enjoying it that much that they've been doing previously in the tournament. I think they, they felt like they, it felt like they were a bit like reserved because mm-hmm. they didn't. They they felt that they were the favorites and they didn't want to mess up. Have you thought so? Yeah, mm. I think so. I thought so. The what was what was your uh, picture of the game? I, know, I think they were. At some stage, at least in extra time after they went ahead, I felt like they, they almost got a little bit too naive. Um, yeah, you know, they felt yeah, like exactly. they wanted the second goal. They were completely open on the counter-attack. I think it was a three versus three. Yeah. There was like, so much emotion on the bench or the Brazilian players were all standing up and they really wanted to get that second goal yeah. rather than being you know calm, composed, defending. And just, I mean, Croatia hadn't had a shot on goal. No, you know, that exactly. Game. But I, I, think, I think also that is like something actually that I can think is beautiful because, you know, deep in the hearts of Brazilian football, mm. they always want to play the Joga Bonito, you know? Yeah. They always want to score. They they want to score. They want to, like, play as good football. They want to win in the Brazilian way, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because many, many other teams would just, like, stand with the parking the bus, Mourinho style, and just, like, uh, not consider anything at all. Yeah, which might have been the smarter thing to do in this case. Yeah, definitely, but definitely. I was reading that Brazil, they were the 13th team to go ahead in extra time in the World Cup, but they were the first team that failed to hold on. So every other team that's that scored crazy. first in extra time has gone on to During win this, this no, tournament. Ever. ever? Yeah. Damn. Because it was also like, I didn't have at all a feeling that um, Croatia was going to score. 
yeah. during like the extra time. Yeah, I mean, neither did I. Uh, and it was actually, I was watching the game with a few friends and uh, there was like uh, this guy coming on, Petkovic. And my friend, he was like, imagine if Petkovic would score and like um, get out Brazil out of the tournament. And that was exactly what happened. Yeah. It's only like three minutes before before the like whole extra time would actually end. Yeah, mate, it was insane. There's something I love about seeing countries with small populations do well. Yeah. Um, you know, Croatia, they have a population of 3.9 million and, now, and they're one game away from reaching back-to-back World Cup finals. Yeah. But they've been in six World Cups and they reached the semifinal three times, which is very impressive. That's really good. It's um, like not even like four four million people live in there. I mean, it's smaller it's than crazy. every Nordic country. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, they remind me a little bit of kind of Madrid in the Champions League. Um, yeah. You know, no matter how many times you think you've beaten them, they keep coming back. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I actually think that uh, this Croatian team, previously Croatia has had like quite quite a few like uh, stars also uh, up front. Mm. Now this the mid- midfield is really talented. And also like the, f- the back four, none of them felt like they were like this profiles. You know, Guardiola, really good, really good one. And Juranovic mm. from Celtic, really good right back. Uh, I've seen him previously uh, a bit in Celtic. But I think that also it was good for them to have like these like humble, not that well-known guys in the team also. Like, for example, this guy Kramaric, the, the striker. Previously, they had like Kalinic, they had like Mandzukic. I think that it, it was also like good for them to have like these players who were like, they wanted to show also the world who they were mm-hmm. and so on. So I also felt that it was like uh, a power from those players. Yeah, I think it's a good mix. I think... Croatia really shows you that, you know, if you've got midfielders willing to take the ball um, and dictate games, be cute, coy, rugged, and they have the experience, and then you throw some youth, you know, yeah. known players around them, you've got a really good mix. I often think like football nowadays in 2022 depends so much on the midfields that you have. I, I, I can often feel like if a team get like destroyed by another team, it's often that the mid- midfield of the um, opposition failed to pick up the midfield in the opponents, yeah, for I the mean, opponents. It is, it is the key battleground of the pitch. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really impressive how, you know, this group of relatively old men yeah. keep going 120 minutes, tournament after tournament. Yeah. You know, across 2018 and the 2022 World Cup, they've gone to extra time five times, Yeah, gone to penalties each time and yeah. won each time. It's crazy. So the last five knockout games have been penalties, which they've won. Yeah, it's insane. And, you know, their shootout conversion rate isn't, it's not even that great. They've scored 14 out of 18 penalties. But there, which is seventy-seven percent, that's quite alright. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good, but it's not remarkable. But then yeah. the thing is, like their conceded rate is out of nineteen penalties, they've only let in eight. That's really good. Yeah, it's forty-two percent. But someone, yeah. Yeah, someone I think is impossible not to mention is Luka Modric. Yeah, what a guy. Hey, what a guy. Hey, I mean, he's thirty-seven and he looks like he's got at least like three, four years yeah, at definitely. the top left in him. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe the level he's playing at. Honestly, it's a crazy player. Crazy player, one of the best midfielders that we we have ever seen of in this all game. Time, yeah, for sure. You know, definitely. there with Xavi, Iniesta. I just feel like you know every pass he makes is a beautiful pass. You know, yeah. the weight, the angle, even the simple ones. You know, he, it's always to the right side, the correct side of the player. He's a pure joy to watch. Definitely, and, and something that was not a pure uh, pure beauty to watch was the penalties from from Brazil. There's a lot of things that can be said. Yeah, I do think you know Neymar should have taken one of the earlier penalties. Yeah, um, instead of giving it to the young kid Rodrigo, yeah, know, maybe Neymar take the first one. As you know, it is super important f- to score those early penalties, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't really see like the point of like Neymar wanting to like to like decide the game with his penalty. I think it was kind of like a selfish decision to like choose to be the hero rather than to like save Brazil as a whole country. Yeah. So I think that he, 
I, we don't know how it would uh, gone if he he took one of the earlier yeah, penalties, but still, I felt it was like super strange that he was like standing, you know, watching uh, his teammates losing uh, and missing penalties. If you compare it to Messi, for example, penalty shootouts, I mean, they're brutal. You know, yeah. one miss, one save, one inch the wrong way, and you know, whole legacies can be redefined based on definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. So it's also like hard to judge, like the whole the whole performance on the penalty shootout of course but but still i think yeah. that i think that um yeah, brazil they they were a bit naive the saddest part i think for neymar is that you know the defining image of brazil's world cup this year will be his tears you know it won't be that no. insane goal he scored it won't be all the dancing the flicks all the you know all the f- all the fun that brazil have had coming up to this moment it's going to be it's always going to be you know that sad scene when you see him crying yeah definitely. We've, definitely we've all seen that picture yeah yeah, you, you, you can't miss that one. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible to miss that one. Also on social media, there's been so much, so many memes going on there. Yeah. But yeah, sure. sad sad to see Brazil leave, but also exciting to see Croatia proceed. Like I said, I, I like when these I like when these underdogs, these small countries do well. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And also for me, like Croatia, they're not like an underdog in that way. I th- still think that Croatia is a good team, but you know, against Brazil, yeah, they are the underdogs. But it's still like, even though it's a small population, it's a big football country. Yeah, it's a big football country, but, so, but not when you compare it to Spain, Germany, nah, Italy, exactly, France, exactly. England, and all that. But I'm happy to see them proceed. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see them against the winner of Argentina, Netherlands. Argentina. Yes, with, with Messi in the, in the big role in the game. You can say, but also there's another guy in the Netherlands who also was like <laughs> quite, quite a random player who would actually be, be the man of, man of the hour. Yeah, about Veghorst. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I had that guy in my FPL team last season. You know, it was had, crap, right? Yeah, he had a double game week, I think, against Southampton and Brighton or something. And, you know, I had him as captain because he was one of the only guys who had a double game week and he didn't do jack shit. <laughs> and then he comes on and gets a brace against Argentina in a World yeah. Cup quarterfinal. <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's football. that's yeah, football. Yeah, exactly. And that's also like the beautiful, beautiful part of the game. I, I thought that Argentina were really good. Yeah, they were. I mean, Messi was... Top, top class. Yeah. And then when they scored in the 35th minute, you know, class pass from from, um, from Messi to Molina from yeah. Atletico Madrid. Uh, that assist was out of this world. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, we also talked about it that if you compare like uh, Ronaldo nowadays, mm. he's, he, he, he's more of like a goal scorer. He wants to be at least a goal scorer in front of the goal. Mm. But Messi, he can still, even though he's that old, he can still like do crazy things with the football. And I think that he really showed that, like all the vision, uh, the lack of like understanding the game totally. And also mm. like, it was also like such a well-timed run from Molina. He's actually been, I've been impressed with him. I didn't know him that well uh, yeah, before this tournament. Yeah, neither did I. So that was a really, really nice goal. And uh, that was and, class, class yeah. finish. But I mean, Messi's just been a joy to watch. Yeah, you know? and then Messi scored a penalty in the 73rd minute. I, I was basically, you know, in the in the end of the game, you know, I was with my girlfriend. We She she wanted to watch like a movie and I was like, okay, Argentina's going to win this. So I put it on my laptop, you know, we we're watching this Harry Potter movie, just like having a cozy Friday night. And I thought mm. like, yeah, Argentina will go through. But then things happened when uh, uh, the Netherlands got a free kick. Uh, what a free kick routine that was. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen that, that, no. uh, that level that late in the game. We have one thing. You're not. You're not. You're not from Sweden. So in the 1994 World Cup, Sweden did a crazy, crazy free kick like that. Yeah, yeah. When he like passed, uh, I think it was against Romania mm. or something like that. I don't remember. But like in in um, the first thing the commentator said in on the Swedish television was like, "It's like in Sweden in 1994 World Cup." 
Uh-huh. That's the first thing that he said. So it's like a super classic thing in Sweden that you can do like all these like passes on free kicks. But I can understand for the rest of the world that was something like pretty like unique that they haven't yeah. seen seen before. Really good, really good one. I just with Argentina. I mean, I've touched on it before, but they're just you know they're just so so much emotion in that team. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And the fans sometimes it almost feels. It almost feels barbaric at times. Yeah, you know, yeah, they've got like a real like spirit and like nastiness in them. All of the players playing for the national team, they are playing with the heart on their sleeves. Literally an example of that, Gary Neville, he said that Gabriel Heinze, former Argentine player. How can you forget about that guy? He used to wear his Argentina vest under his Manchester United shirt to warm up in. Is, is it true? <laughs> yeah, man, they've got like uh, a feel for the country like you wouldn't believe. Uh. You know, it's almost like it hurt. Yeah, yeah, like that's it crazy. hurts so much for them. Um, but but they I really feel when they play football. But I don't feel it's the same way because we talked about Brazil previously. I know like there's been like you know Brazilian players you know crying when they sing the national anthem because mm. it feels such a big pressure. Mm. I don't feel. I I feel more like they're Argentinian players. They're enjoying this like whole pressure thing rather than the Brazilians. Maybe I think that sometimes I feel like the Brazilian players can feel that this is a burden. Um, I feel like the Argentinian players they're like more like enjoying that everyone expect them to win every time they uh, they they get out on the pitch. But let's see how they react if they lose. I think it's going to be, whatever happens, it's going to be an intense overflow of emotion. Definitely. Tears of happiness or tears of sadness. Definitely. When have you ever seen Messi say anything controversial after a match? Yeah. Do you see what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, what are you looking at? Like, dumb, dumb uh, so uh, like, go, que, go away. Yeah, uh, Camilas Bobo, you know, <laughs> to, to Wout Weghorst. <laughs> and then, you know, cupping his ears at the opposition manager, yeah. Louis Van Gaal. Yeah. Um, That's quite it, crazy. I haven't seen Messi that uh, way. Mate, it doesn't happen. Nah. You know why? Pressure. I mean, that pressure does strange things to people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And also, like, the on, like, how eager he is to win with Argentina. And I think this this World Cup is huge for his legacy, especially in Argentina. Definitely, you know, definitely. The whole Messi Diego Maradona debate is going to be decided on whether he wins the World Cup or not. Globally, you know, maybe we don't feel like that way, but in Argentina, I think Ma- Maradona he's like God. Yeah, though. you know, he's led them to the World Cup, um, so it's you know so important for him. When when they won the shootout, he was the only guy who ran to Emi Martinez. Right? Yeah, and that's because he's the one who kept Messi's dream alive. Exactly, exactly. And like it, it just means so much. Yeah. But also, like, fun to see that Netherlands, they have gone by from, like, being... A few years ago, I thought they were, like, oh, they have such a, like, dead national team, you know? None of the players felt exciting. But now they... I think they, they got a few really good players. But also, I also don't think this Netherlands team is at the level when you compare to, you know, the teams they've had before, though, right? Nah, like, that's true. Robin that's Van true. Percy, you know, Wes- Wesley Schneider, Arjen Robin. I still think they're a level below those. Definitely, definitely. But they are levels... Quite a few levels above what they were only a few years ago. Yeah, that's true. Great to see Argentina go through, and it's going to be exciting to see them against uh, Croatia in the semifinals. Yeah, going to be that's going to be a cracking semifinal. Definitely, but I do think that Croatia will dominate the midfield with those players they have. You know, they know each other; they're so experienced. I think they can beat Argentina. Will they? Let's see. I think that Argentina will go through, but we we just have to live and see, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow at eight, right? Central European time. True that. True that. We got global listeners now, you know, so we can't just. <laughs> <laughs> expect this eight o'clock or, uh, for all of our listeners. True that, true that. <laughs> good, good, man. Good, good. Uh, Let's move on then to the games that um, played on uh, Saturday. Um, we we went to this event in Stockholm at Space. Tutu Balutu is one of the biggest podcasts in uh, in Sweden. Uh, they linked up with Space and they, they made an uh, event where we were supposed to uh, watch games. It was like this crazy setup. It's like a movie theater and 
It may feel better than movie theater. It's yeah. honestly, other than a stadium, that's the best footballing viewing experience I've had. Definitely, definitely. It was so nice, you know, to sit there and do something like else rather. Because when tournaments are played in the summer, I always feel like you, you often like go to, like during the summer, you go to like a rooftop bar. They have the like big screen and you see like the sun go down and you watch the game. But this this tournament, you basically been at home watching at the telly. So it was really nice to like be at this crazy scenery, but it was like a host, uh, they were running a quiz, there was some live music, and then it was this crazy setup where you were supposed to like see the game, you were like in the stands with other guys, and it was like music going on when the goals were scoring, hey, and it was stand like- Stand-up comedian. Yeah, stand-up comedian also, a really good one. <laughs> Jens Falk. Jens Falk, shout out to that guy, amazing. I, mean, I, I, left my, I left my, I left my head out. <laughs> it was like so many, so well, many rand, she random was, she stuff. Was hilarious. Man. Yeah, so it's really, really nice event. So we we have to shout out to to Tudo Baludo for uh, for creating this event. So if you don't know where you're gonna watch the final, go there because it's a really, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really uh, fun event. Well, let's let's talk about the first game. On uh, on Saturday, then it was uh, this tournament's surprise: Morocco facing Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal, and a Cristiano Ronaldo who was not actually in starting eleven. So it feels strange. But the first thing I think of when I see Portugal is Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal, in the same way as I think of Lionel Messi's Argentina. But that was, you must say, that was the big thing that people were talking about before the game, like uh, one hour to kick off. Ronaldo was not in the squad again. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who scored three goals previously, he was in the starting eleven. Not such a big surprise because if you score three goals, you should start the next yeah, game. Yeah, he deserves to start. Definitely, but still, it was like two games in a row. Ronaldo being on the bench and also like he hasn't played in two like knockout stage games. Uh, he was like being benched in both of them. But how how did you react when you? I mean, when you heard news. I expected it, but yeah. I know that Ronaldo himself, he would have been devastated in how his um, yeah his World Cup has ended. Right, like not just going out, but also him not being an integral part of the team and being on the bench. You yeah, know? but he does bow out with having scored in five World Cups. I mean, we did see that video of him, you know, walking into the tunnel. Yeah, that was a really you know sad, terrible moment almost. Yeah, you know? when you saw him crying, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. you know, that's a moment. You know, he knows the dream of winning the World Cup with his country is gone. I, I almost felt like his whole career was like over the career when he was like on top you know he's not he's not gonna play Manchester United no more he's not gonna play maybe in Europe anymore and also this was his last big chance to to um, proceed something in the World Cup with Portugal because he will not be in the squad in four years he will be too old exactly but, I mean we have to we have to move on to Morocco yeah I think what do you have to say about him I think what they've done for the Muslim community for the African continent the Arab world I feel like you can't put a measure on that no. Um, I think it's massive. Yeah. And we've seen great moments from underdogs this tournament, you know, with Saudi Arabia, Japan, Costa Rica. South Korea. But I think what Morocco has done is absurd. And that's against world-class opposition, you know, in Croatia and Belgium in the yeah. group who were second and third of the last World Cup. Then against Spain. Yeah. And then Portugal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they, have, they haven't been like on an easy run. Right, the tournament. And even no. Canada in the group, that was a pretty hype team as well. Yeah, right? exactly. Like they've, had, they've had tough games. You know, they're the first African team to get to the semifinals of World Cup. So you just, you know, you really have to salute them. Um, and I think whatever they do from now on, they're heroes. Definitely, definitely. No matter how the semifinals, if they get like um, beaten by France, um, it doesn't even matter because they, they are heroes already. 
Uh, I don't think I don't think this this like classic thing when they get back to their hometowns. I don't think they have to pay in Morocco for a few years. You know, if they go to like Casablanca and they're gonna go out for dinner, I think they would be like, "It's on me tonight. It's on me." Yeah, <laughs> a few years if they go out now forever yeah. if they win it. Uh, <laughs> if they win it, they will all be like kings hey, of Morocco. The kids won't have to pay for shit. No, nah, exactly. Not even the grandchildren <laughs> <laughs> won't have to pay at all for a restaurant. They yeah. will always think that restaurants are for free. Yeah. <laughs> when they grow up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean they've been the story of the tournament. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat France. I don't think they will, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be a surprise. Maybe not. Maybe not. But they're on the run, so why not? And uh yeah, the goal they scored. Um the keeper there, Diogo uh, Costa. He he was not yeah, was 100% a hundred percent aware of what was going on, right? I mean it was a goalkeeping error. He totally misjudged it. But I do think that leap from El Nejri was exceptional. You know, yeah, one of the moments of the tournament, honestly. Definitely. Even though it was misjudged, do you see how, how high above Ruben Diaz he got? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And still to like manage to to like head the ball down in in the ground, and also that it like bounced up in the net. It was also like yeah, it's a crazy finish actually. Hey, it's ridiculous. And also felt like they after they scored, I think they were like they're so well organized defensively. It's crazy. I didn't even feel that Portugal was that close to score. Not at all. No, exactly. Hey, like I was reading some statistics, like across the games they've had these, this World Cup, and the shots on target target against them has been an average of 1.8 on average across all the games, 1.8 shots on target against them. And that's, you know, without position I just mentioned, you know, with Spain, it scored seven against Costa Rica, Portugal put six plus Switzerland, an expected goal against of 0.9, which is remarkably low, you know, and they've actually only conceded one goal. Yeah. You know, an and own goal at that. Yeah, an own goal, exactly. And then he got Bono. Um, a really good goalkeeper, but it was one game when he where he didn't show up for the starting eleven. So he's not playing every game mm. for Morocco. And also they been like pretty quite a few injuries in the in the back four. I mean, three of the starting back four has been yeah, injured, and they've exactly. still been it's able. It's only to like Hakimi has been playing like the whole tournament as a right back. So that was that's also like really impressive, you know, against. Uh, Portugal, there was this tall guy. I don't even remember his name, mm. but it was like I don't even know what club he was. Rep- he's representing, but it's like he was like so good, and he was performing maybe the game of his game of his career. That's where you really see how you know the emotion of playing for your country. Yeah. You know where that comes in. Yeah, and as, if you're gonna mention the fans, they got quite a big fan base down in Qatar, and I seen like all over social media. You know, fans singing, chanting. It's been like. Um, They've been like so happy for the country. But it's quite quite remarkable though for a country who hasn't been that successful in World Cups previously. Yeah, not at all. It's honestly such a surprise, but yeah. when you see the way they've played, it's not a surprise. From what I've seen, they're, they're the best African team I've seen at World Cup. Yeah. At least the most balanced team I've seen. You know, exactly. In terms of the coaching, the game plan, you know, they're great, honestly. And I think they're the neutral's favorites. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And also like, you know, Ghana in 2010, they came to the quarterfinals. Mm. But I think, the, as you say, they had like quite like a, it was quite a crazy, th- quite many th- crazy things going on. You know, players who refused to like play against Uruguay if they didn't get like cash. Um, so yeah, they were like, yeah. they yeah, came no. like a, pr- a plane with cash from Ghana or something in like the U- US dollars. It was really? like Suli, yeah, Suli Montari, oh. Azamu Aguian, John Mensa, um, and all these guys. They, they, they wanted to like have pure cash. They they want they they will they will basically like show show us the money. We're not gonna play the right. games otherwise because they they felt that the whole like federation of Ghanaian football was uh, trying to fool them and trying to um, steal money from them. So that was like those things 
going on in the background mm. of the team's tournament. So as you say, Morocco feels way more balanced than that Ghanaian than that Ghanaian team did in 2010. No doubt. And I mean, I think they're I think they're dripping with tactical discipline. I mean, they simply don't make mistakes. No. You know, the shape is so strong, but it's not just the the shape, but also like the spirit and the bravery. Yeah. And also the heart of the team, uh, Sofian Amrabat, who's hey. been like Maybe one maybe, of the players of the tournament. Yeah, definitely. And also one of the players who has enhanced uh, their reputation during the World Cup. You know, before the World Cup, he was like playing in Fiorentina. I, I knew him because I, I, I know uh, Italian football quite well. I think I, I know he's a good good uh, midfielder for, for a, quite a decent team in, in Italy, uh, Fiorentina. But now there's been like rumors like Jurgen Klopp's want him and only him really? to his midfield. Yeah. I, mean, I can't blame him. I mean, no. he's been. I think. He's probably the player who's enhanced his reputation the most. Yeah. For, for example, like, for yeah, Jude Bellingham, for those who don't watch, like, Dortmund every day, but it's been, like, quite a hype. You know, he's also come out of this with a way higher reputation than before. But, I mean, yeah. Amrabat's probably done the biggest jump. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you have, like, played, like, Mohamed Kudos, he's also been, like, having quite a successful tournament. There's yeah. also been links with him. Uh, Junus Musa in the U.S. Yeah, he's been solid, too. Yeah. And there's quite a few guys who've... Gonzalo Ramos has scored three for Portugal yeah. that we talked about yeah, previously. Well. And well. also, uh, uh, I don't know actually who to pr- how to pronounce his name, but Unahi, also yeah. in, in Morocco. Yeah, I was reading that only Messi has made more like, dribbles than him in the in the Liga on this season. So he's, really, he's had a great season for his club, and now he's also really shining for Morocco too. Back to Morocco, I mean, there's something that I've been really impressed with, and that's the tactical discipline that we've seen from players who aren't known for it. I mean, someone like Bufal at Southampton, yeah. at times he reduced Ralph Hasenhüttl to tears. Yeah, like he was totally disinterested in possible <laughs> movement. Missed a few games even once, even because he stubbed his toe against his coffee table. <laughs> you know, like he just wasn't really the guy who worked hard. I mean, even Hakim Ziyech, he's frustrated Chelsea fans for ages, and now he's pressing properly. You know, switching the play like he was doing at Ajax. You know, yeah. he's, people are really fighting. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, um, and he, he's really a player. Who needs to have like he, he, he needs, needs love. to be yeah exactly he, he got to be passionate about the the football that he's playing otherwise he he, he won't be uh, valuable for the team he's playing for I think he's shown like how happy he is playing for Morocco and he um, loves a new manager I think. yeah exactly and uh, so I think that he he must he must move uh, to find a, a coach that actually fancy him and uh, would like to play him every single game so I think that a move for him in in January would be needed I think there would be clubs interested in him. In his services so after too. after this World Cup, I, mean, I do think you know these Moroccan players have just really showed that you know the international football it brings out something in football players that you don't see in the club game. No. And of course, a lot of people talk about how the last 10, 15 years or so, you know, there's been a lot of discussions about how the World Cup isn't the pinnacle of football, but the Champions League is. Mm. You know, that's where all the talent is distributed. But I think even though maybe the quality of football might be higher there, mm. there's still something special about the World Cup that you, don't, that you don't see in club football. No, exactly. Because it, like in club, club football, is basically you play for, for, the, for the team who, who pays you the most. Yeah. That, that's, that's as easy as it is. Uh, but for, um, for national teams, you play for the country where you grew up in or where your parents grew up and where you have your feelings, where your heart is, uh, um, is feeling, uh, where you belong. And in the case of Moroccan players, I mean, many of them actually grew up in Europe, but they've yeah. chosen to represent Morocco. Yeah, many, you know, many of them. They like, have that national pride, yeah, which is they're great. They're born like in France, grew up in France, but with Moroccan parents. But then they still choose to play for Morocco because they love the country so much. Like I was reading, there's, there's around 5 million Moroccan diaspora, which is, you know, yeah. Moroccans living abroad. Yeah. And over a million of these in France, so like yeah. 1.1 million. Um, quite, quite a big... Um, 
quite a big community. amount also a community yeah, in Belgium. Also. Yeah, yeah. Belgium has around three hundred thousand. Yeah, Spain around seven hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, that's Italy, close also. Yeah, so Italy five hundred thousand, Netherlands three hundred sixty. Quite a few Moroccans so all over Europe, basically. You've got Hakimi in Spain. You got Amrabat from Netherlands. Yeah, um, you know, there's people. Yeah, Bouffal from France. Yeah, exactly. Mate, one thing I'd love to do is be in France for the France Morocco game. Imagine the emotions in that country. Yeah, damn, damn. <laughs> you know. Be such an intense, intense uh, crowd. Hey, with uh, over so a million intense, Moroccans yeah, there. Yeah, intense atmosphere. Right, It'll be unreal. Because France, they won over the three Lions. They did. And football didn't come home. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. I think England, they, they, they performed well. I think so. They, like, they, they did what they could. But I think that France was better to like uh, uh, take the chances that he got. That was the thing for me. Like how it was summarized the game. I think, you know, England were the better team in the second half, at least. But, I mean, this is when you start to think, you know, this is a missed opportunity. You know, the World Cup comes around every four years. Um, You know, you would have had Morocco in the semi-final. They really had the game of the scruff of the neck when it was 1-1. Probably could have gone on and turned the game and maybe been a bit braver with the substitutions. You know, bring on some of the, you know, bench um, super subs earlier. Yeah. The likes of Rashford and Grealish. But I think he waited until it was a bit too late. Yeah, Um, I think so, too. He was a bit afraid there to like lose the game if you even yeah. going like too offensive. I think he had to go for it rather. Yeah, but, but I could also understand him that he 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 was a bit afraid of like losing the game by yeah. doing those substitutions substitutions too early. So yeah. I can still like understand Southgate. Mate, you can't blame him. Um, yeah. And I think I think that back in the mid you know two thousand four two thousand six and so on when England got knocked out of tournaments they were. They were inferior in football terms, right? But I don't think that was the case here on Saturday. No. Um, you know, they were passing it around, patient in their play, dominating possession, sustaining attacks. But the end result, unfortunately, was the same. But I do yeah. think they looked very good. Yeah. And I feel I feel like, I, I don't know, I haven't, like, read the English press, but I also think that there was a bigger, like, understanding. And I thought, I thought that, like, the English... Uh, community and the English people, they were more like proud of the national team this time because often when uh, England leaves in the in the big tournaments, there is often like, you know, all these hate things. I haven't read anything about there's been hate going on uh, against Harry Kane, even though he missed a penalty in the 83rd minute. Um, I haven't read anything about there's been like abuse or like threats on social media. I think that, I think that the Englishmen, they were, they were like proud of what the Englishmen yeah. actually pre- uh, performed against France and they, they were unlucky this time. It was a f- Almost like a 50-50 game. Totally 50-50 in my opinion. Yeah. Mate, you're totally right. I think in general, the British press has gotten kinder in the last 10, 15 years or so than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. But I do think that they're not really getting that much stick in the media at all. I think they've been, it's been looked at pretty kindly by people in the media because of how they've played. Definitely, and you also know? like how like and the last few, the last few tournaments as well. You know? Yeah, and as we talked previously with like this um, humble guy being the captain and being the top scorer, mm-hmm. Harry Kane. Yeah. Then there's all these youngsters who like hungry to perform and loves to play for England. It hasn't been like so many you know arrogant arrogant players, you know. So I think it's also that affects also. I do think so too. Um, and also that people see that England got something really good going on. So if they would just continue with this group and also maybe continue with Southgate, they will they will actually um, win something one day. I mean, at the next World Cup, Bellingham's going to be 23, Saka 25, Foden yeah. and Reese James 26, Rice and Mount 27, Trent Alexander-Arnold 28, yeah. Rashford 29. Do you mean yeah. still like a and Harry Kane like 33 or something? Yeah. 34? He'll be around that. You know, still a young squad. 
Yeah. And so these, like these young superstars are going to be in their prime. Yeah, they definitely. They're going to be in their prime. Uh, and that is something that I think England, England will benefit. And hopefully they will, they will actually be even stronger. Crazy that Jude Bellingham will be 23 <laughs> in four years. <laughs> that guy's an animal already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's been England's best player this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the real leader as well. You see, Definitely. after Kane missed a penalty, yeah, he's one who walked up to him, you know, gave him a hug while all yeah. the players just went, yeah, went back. proper leader. Already captaining Dortmund as well, yeah, uh, scoring he's, goals in the Champions League. He's gonna be the heart of English midfield for I don't know how many years, twenty maybe. Okay, he's <laughs> gonna be the captain. 15, 15, 20 years, for sure. He's gonna be the captain after Kane. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Also, I, I think Declan Rice was really good in this game. And also the Henderson. I think I think the midfield also in this game for England was really they were really good. I think all of them have enhanced their reputations. Yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. But I mean, on France. Yeah. I mean, they've just got ridiculous depth. I mean, they've yeah. got five of their starters are out. Yeah. Benzema, Kante, Pogba, Kimpembe, and Lucas Hernandez. Yeah. All those guys would be starting. Yeah. And they're still, you know, they're still such a good team. Yeah. You know, it's and they still it's have a joke. Really, really good bench, like players that they can bring on. Yeah. If one of them gets an injury or or uh, a card that it will be suspended or something, they still have a really good squad. So I hate to say it, but but I think France will be the will be the winner of winners of this yeah. of this tournament because I think they have such a crazy crazy depth and also the way that they are playing. Yeah, they are they are cra- unbelievable team. And if you've got like. Uh a guy like Mbappe, anything's possible. Definitely. And, you know, if they win, they'll actually be the first team in 60 years to win back-to-back World Cups. Exactly, to defend yeah. the World Cup title. Since yeah. Brazil did it in 58 and 62. Yeah. I'm sure if you look at the odds, they are the favorites to go on and win it now. Yeah, why, why shouldn't they be? They won the last one. They looked decent in this tournament. They looked really good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see on Sunday, actually, who, who's going to win this, this whole tournament. Yeah, but two players I just want to touch on for France. Yeah. One is Griezmann. Yeah. I mean, I think he's had a sensational World Cup. Has most assists in French history. He, he actually surpassed Thierry Henry on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and he's third in the most goal scored as well. But his consistency is, is what's a joke. You know, he's actually represented France 72 games in a row. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. He hasn't over... It's crazy. Mate, over a five and a half year period, he started every France game. Yeah. Isn't that insane? You know, he's never, never injured... Insane. Never injured, never needs a rest. Nah. And also, like, during this time, his, like, club record hasn't been that, like... Impressive. Nah, I mean, exactly. He kind yeah. of flopped in Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. He's been, like, in and out, you know, in his clubs. He hasn't been, like, in such a good form on the club level. But still, when he put on the, the Le Bleu shirt, he always he always showed that he's, he's a crazy player. I also just think, like, tactically, how he's, like, running... You know, defending surfaces, um, and also like running for the team and helping his uh, his midfield midfield colleagues, is almost like he's playing as as a number ten, but he's almost like a third central yeah, midfielder exactly. in the way like he's running and uh, also always available for his teammates and helping the team out, which is also like so impressive for such a big star, also in that age. Yeah. to do that, he's really helping Chouamini and Rabio. Last one, when he played more as more as a ten, and now he's yeah. a little bit further back. But, you know, just everything he does, there's so much variety um, in his involvement. You know, there's beautiful crafted long and short passes, dangerous set pieces. Yeah. Neat flicks and tricks, starting dribbles, all the, all his harassing and pressing, and really busting a gut to get back, you know, to intercept or tackle. Right? He's, yeah. he's doing a bit of everything. Yeah. So just yes. a joy to watch, you know. Massive, this massive player. Light on his feet, you know, always on the move, always scanning to see what's going on, you know. It's, yeah. 
I think he's someone who a lot of people are surprised at the level he's been playing at this tournament. Definitely, definitely, because he have, hasn't showed that on club level in a few years at all. So I think people are surprised yeah. by how good he is. And who was the other one that you wanted to bring the other up? The other one is Olivier Giroud. Yeah. I mean, Milan. And I think, you know, a lot of the great players like Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo, they love having a subservient, unselfish player next to them. Yeah. Um, someone who serves their need and does a job that they don't want to do. Yeah. Giroud is kind of the perfect foil for... Mbappe, Dembele, and Griezmann. You know, he de he defends on set pieces. You know, he gets quite a lot of goals as well. Definitely, and definitely. perfect at laying off the ball to them. And he's unselfish. He's scoring the most most goals in the French yeah, national exactly. team. And you don't <laughs> Over really think Henri. Of exactly. And you, you think of him more as a target man laying it off, but he's a great goal scorer too. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. He's a, he's a crazy player. And even he, though I, I read that the Milan uh, the Milan director of football said that it was actually Milan who uh, who wo woke him up. And made him ready for the French national team. Really, it's like 100% bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it it wouldn't. Bounce. Nah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't affect him at all if he was be would be like on the Chelsea bench. He still would have been crazy in this World Cup. He's always crazy. Also, when he puts on the Le Bleu shirt. Yeah, man, he's he's massive. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know, one of those players who really serves the rest of the team. Messi, you know, he had it with Suarez. He used to love him because Suarez did always running for him. Ronaldo with Benzema, you know, he saw after Ronaldo yeah. after Ronaldo left. Now Benzema's became the main star. But when Ronaldo was there, he was he was the guy who allowed Ronaldo to do everything he did. Yeah, and I do th actually think as a group, as a collective, um, France are probably better with with Giroud than with Benzema. I think so too. As a team, definitely, I think that Benzema. He's a better player individually, 100%. Mm, yeah. But he's Ballon d'Or holder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's hard to argue that he's uh, Giroud is a better player. But Giroud is a better fit for the way Didier Deschamps wants to play his football. And that is why he's been like the first pick of Didier Deschamps for like so many years. No matter no matter if he's been on the bench in his uh, in his club and so on. He's he's always been like his first choice. He's you you can't blame him. He's been scoring so many goals. Um, he's so valuable for the team. He also feels like a good guy who like everyone uh, in the squad loves. Not an ugly guy either. Nah, that man is so sexy. He <laughs> <laughs> turned gay for that guy. <laughs> that was crazy. I think he's one of the most, most like good looking players ever playing football game. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there. He's up there. Um, but yeah, that was basically it. Yeah, right? that was it. Um, but we'll definitely have an, an episode um, quite soon after the World Cup is done to summarize uh, the whole tournament, yeah. go through uh, who actually won, won this whole thing, and also go through like what we thought, who we thought were the best players and things like that. So, so yeah, it's gonna be gonna be exciting to record that episode too. And uh, um, make sure to follow, uh, follow us, rate us with five stars. Um, and get back to us on the next episode. Um, we love also to hear feedback. So if you have any feedback that you that you think of that we what we can do better, please reach out to us. We love to hear uh, how we can improve this podcast. Do you have any last words to say? I mean, for those who made it this long, yeah, you know, listening at the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it and look forward to the next one. Yeah, and I just want to say one thing. Please enjoy this moment of the semifinals, also the game on uh, that will who will win the third third prize and also the final because it will be four years until you see a World Cup mm. semifinals and finals again. So just enjoy the moment and uh, embrace this week. I'm buzzing, mate. I'm buzzing. Uh, me too, Giza. But all right, take care, guys. Have a nice Tuesday uh, and uh, enjoy life and enjoy enjoy the the last last game of this World Cup tournament.